All right, we are live here. Welcome, friends, to Gather Party Podcasts. My name is Kevin. I'm a husband, a dad, and lifelong gamer, and I'm really excited for my guest that I have today, Ian, a.k.a. Bing Bong, a.k.a. Turkey Rice, a.k.a. Mr. Kirby. I don't think I missed any nicknames in there. Did Mung- I miss any? Mungus Hangdown has been my newest one. Oh, Mungus Hangdown. And I couldn't remember what your PSN ID was. Was it also Bing Bong? <laughs> no. Um, that one is uh, Deke Cheese 420, I think. I didn't <laughs> realize when I made the name. I was just messing around because one of my buddies, I only played it with one buddy. And I was like, I'm just going to make my name Deke Cheese. It's D-E-E-K underscore cheese. No, I feel like it's I would have remembered that it's one. It's a terrible name. It's really that's bad. Like, that's like one of those first like uh, handles you make when you're like in junior high or elementary school, like your first one. <laughs> uh, I had this, my brother-in-law, we were over there and he was like putting movies on his Xbox. And so he had an Xbox account that's from high school and it was Blunts for Breakfast. <laughs> and it was like perfect, like just junior high, high school name, like for sure. Well, man, I am super excited to have you on, Ian, uh, for a multitude of reasons. One being, I feel like I haven't seen, well, I've seen you recently, but before then it was like a large gap in between the last time I saw you. So it's like, I feel very fortunate that now I get to see you back to back so soon. For sure. And also, because you are the first gaming dad I've had on this podcast, my first friend who has also bore children before (laughs) that understands what it's like to not be a dad and a gamer. So I'm super excited to talk about that with you. Yeah. But how's it going? How's life been? It's been good. Been some recent life changes for me. I got a new job and that's been pretty impactful in my life. Um, I'm working remote and so I've shifted to a 6 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. schedule. And so it's kind of given me space back in my day. That's been really, really nice. Giving me a little bit more time for video games and a lot less stress. So things have been good. So are you working from home and also watching Finn at the same time? Or is there... We still have daycare. He's been in the routine and I would struggle with him at home. And so we've kept him in the daycare. And for now, that's... It's the godsend. He likes daycare? He vibes with it? If he didn't, we wouldn't keep him in it. But he loves it. So it's been good. Nice. That's awesome. Yes. Right now, me and Savannah are both still... Well, I just started working from home. Yeah. But she's been doing it for a while. But So we're both at home and both just taking turns with Sid. It's been a lot uh, trying to balance both work and taking care of him. I'm sure. I would imagine, too, you're in the space where it's like, we can make this work. But he's not fully adjusted to it. Because... I feel like that's one of those things that once you really get him on your guys' schedule and get him adjusted to what the expectations are, things will start to get a lot smoother. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. I feel like <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I feel like I just gotten lucky this week. He happened to nap for like two hours yesterday and I just got lucky yeah. <laughs> that he was napping for that long and I got to actually get some work done. Yeah. What does this gaming schedule look like for you now as a dad? Yeah, so with him being at daycare, that does give a little bit of space right at the end of my workday. Sometimes I get uh, 30 minutes to an hour or so then, and I've been able to fill that with some working out and stuff too, which has been great. But then he still has a 7.30 bedtime, which is really nice, and so it's mostly in the evenings, 7.30 to 10 o'clock my own bedtime, and then weekends when he naps. That's pretty solid time still. Definitely a decrease than what you used to play. Yeah, <laughs> it was when I was, it's it's a step down. And I think that at this point of life, a lot of people, especially when we started to have kids, were like, oh, are you ready for that step back? Like, you know, you're going to have way more responsibilities and things. And it's like, there was a definite change in the amount of time I'm playing video games. But the thing that's been different for me is it didn't disappear, which I thought it might. But I can see once he's like three or four and he's staying up till nine and he requires a little more attention. I think that that's a piece where it's like I can see then at those times, unless I'm playing a game with him, I'm probably not going to be gaming on my own. Yeah. So, So yeah, he's getting he's up there. He's not two yet. Yeah. He's like one and a half now. A little past. He's he's closer to two now. So he's getting he's almost of age. I feel like I started playing video games as young as like three years old was probably the first time I started playing. Yeah. Have you guys thought about when you want to introduce video games to him? You know, I was actually thinking about that recently because he's immediately showed interest in our phones because, I mean, we're on them. And so he's starting to get the idea that he can move things on the phone. So I was thinking that I should get some 
games where he can actually just get the interaction down and check it out. Does Mallory play video games? Actually, I would say Finn has enabled her to play more video games than she ever has. During her pregnancy in the late stages, we started co-oping Stardew Valley. Oh, nice. And she like has not gotten into games. So the first thing that she really got into for the Switch was Mario Odyssey. And she like played and beat it. It was just, it hit her right. And then, yeah, Stardew Valley we really got into. And then Animal Crossing through COVID happened too. And so she's kind of done that. She most recently was playing some of the Disney Dreamlight Valley. So there's a little bit there, not much, yeah. but... If, she, if it can hit her right, she'll stick to it. That's awesome. Yeah. I know I've tried playing some games with Savannah. She's played a Rocket League and Overcooked. And <laughs> Stressful I feel, games? I feel like, yeah, I feel like I haven't <laughs> found the right game uh, to get her hooked. Because, yeah, those games definitely Rocket League can be very stressful. Yeah. And Overcooked, too. You'd think it's a fun co-op experience, uh, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I could see how that could break down really fast. Yeah. must gather your party before venturing forth. All right, I got a question for you, Ian, that I didn't write in the outline, so it's going to surprise you. But I want to start asking people when they come on the show, what is a favorite video game of all time? Or what is your favorite video game of all time? Yeah. And I'll allow more than one answer since... Now it's kind of hard to, with like retro games and current games, it's yeah. hard to, to pick just one. My mind's kind of split when it comes to some of those things or some of like retro games versus current games. Because when people say that, I think a lot of people throw out like a, a pivotal game that's in gaming history versus something that's like current and is actually more amazing than what they were doing back then. So if there's one for me that's maybe a little bit more nostalgic or maybe a little bit more of a turning point, it's The World Ends With You on Nintendo DS. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, I have heard of it before, and I think you've told me about it. It does sound familiar. I'm not surprised. It was it utilized the two screens on the Nintendo DS so so well that it was just a a really great RPG. And I think it hit me at a good place in my life with a couple of friends that played at the same time. And there's a pretty intricate battle. You battle with pins, and so there's this intricate like ability to get pins, and then they have three branching paths. You can do that like spot pass where you would close your Nintendo, your DS while it was on and you'd walk around and that would get you experience points for your pins. And only if you got certain types of experience would they level into different trees. And so there was a really cool sense of like, there's not, I mean, back then it was like, you could check game facts, but it's not as easy. And so you're still chatting with buddies like, look, I got this pin. And it was game facts. That's a blast from the past. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. So that's been a, that's been, I think a big piece there and then if i would say something that's more modern it's probably a toss-up between no it's not a toss-up it's slay the spire slay the spire yeah interesting choice not what i would have guessed i i settled into card games in a way that i don't know that game it's it hits so many things so right and it just it did them well and everything has been copying it since so i think that game stands out hades would be the other one i'd put up there i really like all of super giant games Hades is, I think, fantastically done in a really unique experience. Nice. Yeah, that's one I want to check out because I've seen some gameplay of Hades too because that's coming out pretty soon. And everyone talks about it being a really good game. You should go through Hades 1 before. It's the way that they manage the like... You've played some roguelites with Binding of Isaac and whatnot. Yeah. The way that they manage the meta progression and the way that the game acknowledges your progress through the game, every... There's several characters to talk to probably around 20 and they're voice acted well and every single time you talk to them they have novel voice lines and they're responding to how far you're getting in the game things that are happening uh just basic storyline progression like character lore everything is like you die and you get excited because you get to go back to the like hub world talk to everybody and get ready for your next run because there's just so much to do in between they made this like perfect balance where like as soon as you die, you're not, oh, I lost that run. It's like, great. I get to go do stuff in the overworld again, and then I'll do another run. It's, it's amazing. Most of the time, roguelikes, dying is the worst part. I get so heated when I die, mm-hmm. especially in games like Binding of Isaac and Bastion was another one that I was really into. Yeah, you get like 30 minutes into one of those, and then you yeah. die, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. 
All right, and I got one more question for you. Something else that I just thought of that I wanted to ask you about when okay. I mentioned your name, Turkey Rice. You did a little bit of content creation too back in the day. Oh no! Uh, of a, you did a let's play of Ogre Battle. Yeah. And, uh, I've watched most of them. I, Have you really? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, you suffered through them. Yeah. <laughs> when you first did it, I, I remember watching most of them uh, wow. when they came out. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, what was uh, what was the Let's Play experience like? Yeah. Was it I, what you thought it was going to be? It wasn't. And I still enjoyed it. And I'm glad I did it. I'm kind of glad that it's sitting at something like 20 views on each video <laughs> in just the abyss of YouTube. I made the terrible decision to read the text in the game. I realized from that experience, I'm really bad at reading out loud. <laughs> I thought that was something that like was I didn't like reading out loud in school. And then I realized that it's because I'm just ass at it is <laughs> really the thing yeah. and so one of the other things is the way that the game presents text it has a very small text box so you get sentences cut off that made it really hard to inflect the sentences correctly so i'd catch myself when i was speaking giving a wrong inflection because the sentence would keep going or i thought the sentence was cut off and i would end the sentence and then i'd have to add a couple more words and it felt super choppy and terrible to read so i learned a little about myself I enjoyed I enjoyed the process and I ended up switching computers and that was one of the big kind of stopping points for me. I wish I would have finished the game. But yeah, I don't know. It was fun. It was one of those things where like you're the only person I know that's watched more than <laughs> one or half of a video. So I appreciate yeah. and that. And you were I mean it was a sixty four release originally, but so mm -hmm. you were emulating it on your computer. Yeah. Sixteen episodes in maybe and I think, so I think you had seventeen, but so somewhere around there. Good I was chunk like, of time, too. They're all about 35, 45 minutes. Yeah. So. I was surprised, too, with how long the levels were. And that's one of the things that I didn't kind of expect because a lot of the episodes were a lot longer than I kind of intended. I thought it was going to be like 15 to 20 minute missions, but I was playing for a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was. I liked watching it because Ogre Battle is one of those games that I saw constantly in Blockbuster and Hollywood Video yeah. and never rented. Mm -hmm. And always assumed it was about uh, like fighting ogres. And so I still don't understand the name. Do you know what the name is a reference to? Because there's no ogres whatsoever in that game. There's ogres eventually. The game has a couple of pretty significant plot points that are that are turns. The piece that you probably watched the most of it was much more like Fire Emblem, like two armies are fighting. But then at a certain point, enemy the enemies to gain favor start recruiting demons and ogres and so there's a whole set of like monsters that come into the game as like almost your third group of enemies that you we didn't even touch and so that's when you get ogres so but they're not like a staple to that game i they maybe were bigger for some of the earlier titles but for that one it was like they were not like a big deal I wonder if it was something in development. The game was going in a much different direction, and then they changed it and then just kept the name the same. <laughs> yeah, I know there's some of those. I thought it was uh, like Super Mario or Mario 2 or whatever was a different game, and then they reskinned it to Mario when it was going to be good, and then people like ray over that oh, one. I never knew that. Yeah, the one where you can pick from the four characters and you like can stand on stuff to pick it up. Yeah, originally it wasn't going to be a Mario title, and they just skinned it to make it sell better because it was a good game, and people <laughs> people loved it. Yeah. And then would you ever do any other content creation again? Or would you ever try another Let's Play with a different game? Yeah, I would. I think that things are getting easier to do. The, the ability to capture stuff and set stuff up would be a lot easier. I kind of thought about getting back into it as I was watching different videos and stuff and doing much more of like a... When I started recording with whatever software I had, each time I started and stopped, it would create a different file, and so I'd have to stitch it all together when I was editing. But now they have ones where you can just start and stop the recording, and it'll it'll spit out a full yeah a full section. And so with that in mind, I would consider going back so I could just be like, okay, here's a couple of key fights, or here's what I'm doing, turn it off, because I think that's something that with the length of those videos, filling that space was really tough, and especially like I mean, you watch a lot of. You see it when you watch Twitch, if you go down to some of the streamers that are at 10 people and the chats just move so slow, there's just that lack of interaction is something that you're not yeah. used to now that content creation has gotten so good and there's so much interaction and you watch it and they're making jokes constantly and they're rebounding off of chat and 
it's one where that interaction, I think, creates so much dialogue where having to create that dialogue when a lot of times it was just like a little character just like marching across the screen ridiculously (laughs) slowly and being like, okay, I'm going to kill this guy and then just being like, I don't know what to say next. Some of that pushes me against that. But so if I go back, I would like to do Ogre Battle with things stitched together in a much shorter format, maybe like a three minute video. You see some of those that are almost like highlight clips. I would rather do something like that. When it comes to other games though, I struggle... I struggle to think that there's much that I'd want to do besides something that's really just for myself, if that makes sense, which Ogre Battle would be. And Ogre Battle got like a remaster, didn't it? Isn't there a, uh, I don't know if it's a remake or a remaster, something came out on the Switch. Yeah, it was, I think it's called Ogre Tactics Reborn. Yeah. It is It is closer to Final Fantasy Tactics with a top-down grid-based system. I, I think isometric grid systems, you're looking at it kind of on the angle. That piece, I didn't play that game. I think that was an SNES version that they remastered. Oh, okay. So I, I thought there was only one Ogre Battle. So there's there's previous games before the six, Ogre Battle 64. I think there's three in the series. Oh, there's wow. a March of the Black Queen, which is closer, but it is like an NES or SNES title. And then, yeah, there's another one that slipped in there as well, oh, which I think is the Reborn one. Did not do my research on Ogre Battle. Before. That's okay. You're you're in, in like an ob- obscure like realm of knowledge. This is one of those games that, like you said, you see on a blockbuster shelf. I had the luxury of my older brother got me into a lot of games. And I think back about how he knew about some of these because we were pretty young. And it must have been just from Nintendo Power seeing the ratings. Yeah. Or he was like scrolling through Game Facts for him because he had ways to find video games. And so this was one of the ones that he found we got and i remember they said bastard in this in the uh (laughs) in it and we were both like don't tell mom so we can still play this game (laughs) yeah so that was the reason why we had some of these an an obscure game like that like i remember he got katamari damacy are you familiar with that game uh no it's one where you're the little prince and you roll around that big ball oh yeah yeah. he was a was that a wii title originally it was on ps2 and that was one where he bought it on launch for the PS2, where like nobody had heard about it, and I like <laughs> I still don't know how he had the understanding of what the game was, but he picked that one up like super early, and since it's been remastered a couple of times, and yeah, it's on Switch, say, it's on Xbox, it's, it's like on a cult classic. Now I've seen gameplay of it before. It's I mean that's a fun one. That's one where like talking about having kids, that'll be a good one to be like. It's bright, it's colorful, the music is fantastic. Like yeah, it's simple. It. The objective, <laughs> mm-hmm. just get bigger. Yeah. I think that's the last question I had. So what, uh, what games are you currently been playing right now? Yeah. So I kind of fell off of Diablo three so far Diablo four. I know we've kind of been talking. That's been one that we've both been playing when season one hit those patches kind of came through. I dropped off of that. I picked up final fantasy. No, not final fantasy fire emblem dynasty. No, it's a dynasty warriors, like fire emblem warriors, three hopes. And that takes the build off of Three Houses, which was the really popular Switch title, and makes a Dynasty Warriors hack and slash that still looks a little bit like Fire Emblem. It's an interesting combo. So that was on sale for like 20 bucks. So I picked it up because I'm pretty big on Fire Emblem. So I was like, why not? And then I also picked up Baldur's Gate. A couple of my other buddies were playing it. And I was like, I don't know if I want to get into it. And then once I watched some of it, it's, it's too cool. I picked it up and I've been, I've been loving it. So it's really been bouncing back and forth between those two right now. Nice. So yeah, Boulder's Gate really uh I I had known about its release. I'd been I'd watched some gameplay reveals of it and stuff cuz I played the older uh, Boulder's Gate 1 and 2. Okay. My brother was really into those. But I thought, oh, Boulder's Gate 3 like it's going to be cool, but I I felt like it was a pretty niche kind of audience still like that computer RPG genre mm-hmm. um did not think it was going to blow up the way that it has yeah and has really reached like a pretty wide audience now it's <laughs> now it's like a game of the year contender and yeah I, everyone's playing it that can play it right now sadly i haven't yet because i play on a series x so i think i'm gonna be waiting for a little bit longer okay but what about uh what uh what build are you going with what's your character so my main character is a barbarian and it's just running that and so i have a barbarian a cleric a a fighter that I want to exchange probably for a druid and then a bard. So I've been running with that. 
I played a little bit of D&D and I kind of had a warlock. And so I might try to rebuild them as a specific character and then run with them. So we'll see. And have you liked, so I've heard, I've seen, watched a lot of gameplay of it. Uh, people who weren't into uh, turn-based RPGs were turned off by the combat, but they liked the story enough and the gameplay loop to keep playing it. Have you liked the combat in the game? It's been something that I almost saw it as a little bit of a challenge for myself to push myself to see if I would enjoy it. Because even as we were talking about uh, Ogre Battle Tactics, where the isometric format, I've played Final Fantasy Tactics and some of the different Tactics types games. It's not super inviting for me. Like XCOM, I never jumped into because the battle style just didn't look like it was Mm -hmm. up my alley. Or there was another one that's kind of similar to the same format, Mario Raving Rabbits. I played some of it and it was boring, (laughs) to tell you the truth. It was one of those games (laughs) I put down and I just never could drive myself to pick back up. So it was a little bit of a push for me to be like, okay, I really, really like the tactics when they're in like the really grid-based format like Fire Emblem. Like, as I mentioned, that's one where I have a lot of history with that and comfortability with that. And so it's kind of like, I'm going to push myself. And I really, I really actually like it quite a bit. And how, how far are you into it now? How many hours in, would you say? I think I left my computer on sleep for about eight hours, but I think I'm about 20 hours in. Okay. And do you feel like you've made good progression or is just scratching the surface of the game (laughs) oh i feel like if i wanted to play this 20 hours and see the different pathways that i could take i don't think 800 hours would be enough like you can feel when you're making choices you can feel the direction that the game will let it split where it's like if you are a jerk to this person they're gonna fight you or if you don't agree with the way that this person is trying to punish a child they may not, they may kick you out of the camp or they may accept you in or they may keep you on the edge. And each one of these you can really feel is like going to be a different way that the storyline can take a huge chunk of the game and just go somewhere totally different. It's like, I mean, because there's the first town you go to is there's a group of tiefling war or like guys with the horns and then druids. And they're kind of at ends because the warlocks are or the druids are trying to kick out the tieflings and so there's this bit of a conflict and they need to leave because there's a goblin camp that you that's trying to attack them and so you can side with the goblins you can side with the tieflings you can side with the druids or you could just kill all of them like you can really i mean you can't do whatever you want but you can really take the story a lot of different directions and it's awesome it's it's so well done yeah that sounds awesome it's definitely i'm gonna play it someday yeah. I don't have a PC that can run it, though, so I have to wait for them to finally come to Series X, which I know it is one day. Yeah. It's not like they're not trying to release it on there, so yeah, I just have to be out. patient, which yeah. that's okay with me because I don't have enough time to get through the games I currently own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nice, yeah, really yeah, really shocked by the popularity Boulder's Gate 3 has gotten. I, I anticipated it being an awesome game, but didn't think it would branch out and reach as many people as it has I think if the core of the game wasn't based around D&D, I don't think it would have that same appeal. I think that with like Critical Role getting so big and some of the other D&D podcasts getting such a, a platform and such a followership or viewership or whatever you call it, yeah. I think that this is a really great gateway into D&D for a lot of people because you can get a D&D experience and you don't have to do any of the hard work. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. And also I feel like in... TV shows. I mean, Stranger Things comes to mind. That's yeah. Definitely put D&D at least on the radar for a lot of people. After yeah. After seeing them play that in It's in a good point. Show. And if you want to dip your toes, like this is a great chance to like, you see some of the dice rolls, you use the same stat modifiers and things like yeah. that. And when I was a kid, like you would have to go to like kind of small own like privately owned like kind of game stores or board game shops to get D and D, and now it's like on Target's game yeah aisle. And stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Starter you go to the, you can stuff like that. Yeah, just pull the player's manual right off the wall. Yeah, and I've been playing Dead by Daylight. You put that on the list, and I was kind of surprised by it. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of was the resurgence for Dead by Daylight? So it came back on my radar when it was. I read a story that a movie was announced for it. Oh, I didn't working, hear that. Yeah, by uh, Bloomhouse Productions. Okay. So me and my friend Jordan, who was on uh, episode two, we talked about what we think they're going to do because he was an avid Dead by Daylight player. Okay. So he knew a lot about it. So that's why we talked about it. And he was able to give his insight on the game and what he thinks the movie will be like. 
yeah, and then after that, then Nicolas Cage got announced that he's joining the game, and so that was I thought that was okay. funny, and then I just always wanted to try it, so I started playing it, and so when I have gotten a chance to play games, that's what I've been playing, and then a little bit of Diablo Four, but I was a little disappointed with uh, season one, so it hasn't been. I mean, it's been fun because uh, I got to create a new character, and that's what I was planning on doing, uh, kind of regardless. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like the season quest line and the mechanic of the season, it's been pretty underwhelming. So that was disappointing. I, I mean, that's honestly where I was in the same exact point. I wanted to start another character, and then season one hit, and I hadn't started them yet, and I was like, "There's other things I can focus my time on." Yeah, I got enough of the Diablo Four experience. <laughs> yeah, and it's a bummer because I think the base game of Diablo Four was really good, really awesome. Yeah, probably I would argue the best Diablo. I mean, pretty high up there with like the Diablo Two experience I had. Yeah, I mean, I think they did like the a really great job at revamping the series and everything that they introduced in the game and the kind of blend and and RPG elements that they had. And the story was great. I loved the campaign. It was a lot of fun. So I still think it's a game of the year contender, but it's definitely the season and the update patch have definitely hurt its reputation. It was like you had just this shining ornament of a game and yeah. you just you just shat on it. It was like, <laughs> how could you go to a point of just like so far in the opposite direction they it almost looked like every single complaint that players had they went the opposite direction once they put in that patch in place they slowed down progression they made it so that you couldn't play in the different world tiers and there was a couple other choices that were just or they like messed up some of the loot drops and stuff and it was like how are you going totally opposite of where a lot of people are saying you shouldn't go yeah, it's very interesting. And they've just had weird prom- promotional stuff. They like recently had some developers come on and play through a dungeon and talk about it. And the developers didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. Oh, so God. they just had like, <laughs> some real big flops in like their promotional advertisement for the game, too. I didn't so, yeah, see that. That's it's, rough. It's almost like we all thought Blizzard was back to what Blizzard used to be yeah. when Diablo 4 launched. And then... They just proved us wrong, and now we just all are back to just feeling how we felt about Blizzard beforehand. I Exactly. It was one of those pieces where, like, this was one of those games that dropped, and it was like, it it wasn't super buggy. The playtest, people were dropping out, but queue times when you started weren't terrible, which, yeah. I mean, if you remember back at Overwatch 2, people were making, Dunky made a whole video on, oh, this is the game, and it's just <laughs> yeah. him sitting in a queue for, like, 30 minutes trying to get into yeah. the game. Or saying you're, like, the hundred thousandth person in the exactly. queue for the game yeah and this was like this was a smooth drop and it was a completed game and then i don't know once they went to their season-long model they just went a totally opposite direction it was it's a real shame yeah any games uh you're looking forward to playing in the next couple months or so yeah i threw a couple down on the list just uh, talking indie games first one that just dropped it dropped a year ago and on their year anniversary they dropped a dlc it's called across the obelisk so talking about how slay the spire is one of my favorite games it's i i saw somebody mention it's darkest dungeon meets slay the spire it's four characters and then you each one of them has an independent deck that you play and so they each draw from their own deck and you take turns playing cards like you would slay the spire but it also has co-op options. And so one of my other buddies that's into card games, we played two and two where each of you control two decks and we put probably 60 hours into the game to beat it originally. There's a really lengthy meta progression. It's This game's like nerdy. It feels <laughs> like it's one of those where it's like, I'm deep in that game and most people have never heard of it. Yeah. But that game is really cool. And so there's a DLC that came out with two new characters and a new area and stuff. And so I'm excited for that. I was thinking about it and a lot of stuff that I was looking forward to dropped this year already. I mean, Diablo was a big release and Tears of the Kingdom was a big release. And those were really what I had my eyes set on. Another one I threw on the list was Plunky Squire. Did you have did you get a chance to check that one out? No, I didn't. You'll have to check the trailer out. It they they recently delayed the game, but the the trailers look really, really promising. It the game takes place in a storybook on a desk and the way that your characters can come in and out of the storybook, there's some sort of mechanic there. It's shown off really well, and it looks like a really unique experience. And so I'm looking forward to that one a lot. I'm excited for both of your titles, but tell me, what are you excited for? Armored Core 6 uh, has been what I've been following since it got announced at the Game Awards last year. The last Armored Core game I played was Armored Core 3 on the PS2. Yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. I played a ton of it as a kid. It was really fun. 
I didn't get into the PS3 version that they made. They made a few more. Yeah. But it's made from software who we're, I'm a big fan of Dark Souls. I know you yeah. played several Dark Souls games. And uh, so I was really hyped on it and that they were bringing it back. And uh, I thought it was going to be like, uh, you know, kind of like a Souls-like game, but set in the Armor Core universe. But yeah. it's not quite that from the gameplay that I've watched. It is just kind of like the traditional Armored Core gameplay style where you build a mech and uh, go out, complete missions, gather resources, upgrade, and then go out and do more missions. And then you can kind of repeat missions for resources and then there's also like main storyline missions um, and boss battles and things like that. But super in-depth like customization in the mechs, which was always always kind of the really cool part of it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. Sadly, I think it's going to be one of the games that gets added to my backlog and then I wait for it to go on sale. Yep. So I probably won't play it immediately at launch. Yeah. But we'll see. I'll maybe I'll try to squeeze it in. It'll be hard to squeeze in before Starfield, though, because that game has been one that I've been waiting for for yeah. the last 10 years. So okay. uh, pretty excited for it. It was I did a Game of the Year prediction in Episode 2 as well, and Starfield was my pick for okay. Game of the Year. So I'm pretty hyped for it. I'm definitely a big Bethesda fanboy, so I think I have yeah. some bias towards it. And but Bethesda also has a track record too. Uh, their starts make game of the year. So. Yeah, <laughs> their starts of games. I mean, I was trying to think back, or I, I watched somebody talking about it, and they mentioned Fallout seventy six and how much of just a dumpster fire that one was. Yeah. And they haven't done the best with those. So hopefully, it's a it's a smooth yeah. launch. Yeah, and I I never buying. I bought Fallout seventy six at launch. I I was really excited for that one too. <laughs> uh, only played maybe ten fifteen hours of it. It's made a little bit of a comeback since then. I've but heard yeah. I've heard good things about it at this point. I've heard they've done a lot. Yeah, I I, I booted it up again maybe like three years ago. Okay, and they definitely changed a lot as far as like the story and more of a fallout experience now more npcs and conversations and choices to be had and things like that but um yeah i mean there is definitely a lot of scummy things about fallout 76 yeah besides the game you know their their uh pre-order scandals and things like that yeah it was definitely a missed uh missed mark there on bethesda the game itself though i didn't i didn't fault as much because i mean they were trying to do a multiplayer game um, they've never done that before, or at least not in this. They've done like the MMO yeah. with Elder Scrolls, but they haven't done like a, a shared world kind of multiplayer experience. You yeah. Know? Then trying to blend their solo, single player games like Fallout. So I don't know. I gave the game a little bit of a break. I just stopped playing it because it was super boring. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I don't think Fallout, the, you know, the mistakes made in Fallout 76 are going to carry over into Starfield. This one's got a lot of hype backing it. I hope that there's a good amount of effort that's going to go into the front end of that to make sure it's not the same kind of thing. And I feel like Bethesda too, and specifically Todd Howard, because he's kind of been the face um, for like the last now 20 years almost. Yeah. I feel like he's learned a lot as far as what he can share and like what he should go out there and say about his games. Yeah. And I don't think he would go out there and say all these things that he said about Starfield and how uh, the game plays and the story um, and all that stuff, I, you know, I feel confident in it. I don't think he would come out there and say all these things knowing like it might not be that. <laughs> and he's just going to get, you know, shot on for the next five years. After the game's release. Yeah. Fool he's, me once. Yeah. I feel like he's learned his lesson. So I'm yeah. pretty, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I still think it's going to be game of the year. Although Baldur's Gate now, I think tears of the kingdom was the only thing I thought would be a competitor for game of the year. And now Baldur's Gate three has come and, taking the world by storm so we'll see yeah this game is this year has been a fantastic year for triple a titles i honestly have sworn off most triple a titles just because indie games have gotten so high in quality yeah but this year is i think they've learned they've got to kind of step up their game to be able to compete they've got to do something that's a lot better than what some of these indie studios can do and Baldur's gate is massive and tears of the kingdom is massive and well paced and yeah it i think there's going to be a lot of split decisions when it comes to the game of the year at the end of the year yeah i can't i'm trying to think of what even i had as other predictions besides starfield winning i think i had diablo 4 tears of the kingdom i had resident evil 4 uh, as one of nominees Uh, i think it might suffer from being released so early in the year that people have kind of forgotten it now but i think it got like tens and like high really high scores across the board 
Yeah, I've got one friend that's played it, and he's we played RE4 back together on yeah. the GameCube when it was originally released. Yeah. And he's really enjoying it. He said it's been a lot of fun. And I watched yeah. a little gameplay. It looked great. Resident yeah. Evil has got a good track record for the last couple of game releases. Yeah, I've had it saved on my wish list. I usually avoid remakes just altogether because yeah. you know I, I played a lot of Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube when it released too, and I bought it again for th- the 360 when they ported it. And yep. So I was like, I've played this game enough times. I don't think I need to play through it again. But I'm in the same exact boat. <laughs> yeah. I definitely With- wasn't going to play the Dead Space remake, but Resident Evil 4, after the reviews came out and watching some gameplay of it, I was intrigued by it. So yeah. I might still try and pick it up before the end of the year. It's one of those things that, like, I've just, with less time to play, I've had to get pickier and pickier and more and more okay with putting a game down and saying I got what I wanted out of it. And that's one where, like, RE4, I'm not going to get what I want out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's other games that I'm too interested to see, and it's, yeah. I'm not going to carve out the time for it. Yeah, that's always been my thing, too, with remakes and ports and things like that, is I just, I don't think I could... I won't get the same experience I had the first time playing through it. Yep. And there's so many other new games. It's, I can't make time for them now. There was another pretty big uh, announcement on one of the last directs that they were remaking Super Mario and the Seven Star Saga or whatever it is. The Super Mario RPG that was originally. Oh, yeah, RPG, yeah. Did you play uh, the paper? Uh, it's kind of no, the... Not the... not the paper one. Sorry, you're right. It's just Super Mario RPG. Yeah. Did you play that? At all? Uh, I did play it as a kid. I okay. didn't get far enough into yeah. it. I, I was like, what the hell? Is <laughs> that this? long ago, like, it's like... I was not into RPGs when yeah. I was six years old. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I don't think I'll play it because I don't have a Switch. So, it'll probably be just... Uh, yeah. And I didn't play the original one either. So I guess I could emulate it on my laptop and play the original. Yeah. Have you played through the original RPG? Back when... What do they call it? WiiWare? The Wii Shop? Oh, yeah. I got it. It came out on the Wii Shop, and I played through most of it on that. So there's a little bit of fondness for me for that, but I didn't play it when originally released. And, I mean, that's one where the same exact thing. I've played enough that I won't go back to it, but I'm excited to watch a couple people play it and see some some stuff I remember from it. And I watched, after that got announced, I did watch some gameplay of the original one, too, and it looked rough. It was one of those games that did not age well. At no, all. no, it didn't. <laughs> it's super chunky, and the way yeah. people move is is really blocky and shifty, and yeah. But yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one to see the reviews come out for it. I mean, I'm sure it's going to score high because I feel like it does have a pretty good following, yeah, uh, of Nintendo fans. All right, Ian, let's get into some news stories now. And, you know, I brought you on as my uh, expert Nintendo friend. Uh, so I thought we'd talk about some Nintendo news because there's been a lot of it. A ton of uh, directs this year by Nintendo. Most interesting news I think I've heard um, that just broke at the beginning of this month of August was Nintendo is aiming to release their new console now at the end of 2024. I think the second half of 2024 is what's listed. The article I got from Polygon said their latest report on what they think is known as Switch 2, which they say this new Nintendo console is in works and could be ready by next year. I still think it's a lot of rumors, but it seems like uh, from what I've seen of other gaming media outlets reporting on it that seems like it's pretty accurate so people are pretty confident that the next nintendo console is coming um, in 2024 a lot of people are speculating that it's going to be a switch Mm 2 but when i when i read this article i just i can't picture nintendo releasing a switch 2 just because it's been so that's not been their mo at all with console releases yeah and i so i was wondering if you had any predictions or thoughts on what you think Nintendo is going to do with their next console. Do you think they're going to continue what they've built on in the Switch, or are they going to try and innovate and come out with something completely different than the Switch? It's a really good question because it's one of those pieces where, <clears throat> with the Switch doing so well, it feels like there's, I mean, they do a great job of coming up with t- something totally different. Like the Nintendo DS was just such a weird idea that ended up working really well. Yeah. The Wii was a weird idea that ended up working well. And the Switch was, I remember the first time the Switch came out, it was a weird idea. I could see them innovating, doing something different. And it would be great to see because a lot of the gaming sphere is is chasing the success of the Switch. I mean, the Steam Deck is in the same vein and all of the imitations thereof. So it's a piece where, to me, it makes the most sense with 
the time space that it's at right now, that we're going to see a pretty similar system, but it's going to be able to keep up with your PS5s and your, I don't even know what the newest Xbox is called, but it's going to be. Series X. There you go. I think it's. It's very confusing uh, to a lot of people, but there's two, a Series S and a Series X. Okay. So the, the, I guess the series versions, I think that there's a better chance that this is a really heavy hardware upgrade and that there's going to be a lot of games that aren't backwards compatible. So it's going to be a bit of a cutoff point, but it would make sense to me that this, this uh, article also mentioned that it was going to be cartridge games, which Mm -hmm. I, I think cartridge games was dumb in the first place. I mean, we're moving past the point of even physical games. And so I would think that they would consider making a move like that or something, but that hasn't been super great with people that have tried stuff like that. Yeah. I don't see them moving to like disc at all. Yeah. I feel like if they drop the cartridge, they would go completely digital. Yeah. But I feel like that's a Nintendo is very nostalgic. It's a toy company at heart where that's how they started. Right. And so a lot of times I think they like to have something that's a toy. Yeah. What I've seen recently though of Nintendo, I was really shocked. I guess I shouldn't say shocked because the success of breath of the wild you know, was massive. Yeah. And, but before Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, every new Zelda game was kind of a, you know, an innovation or a change from the previous Zelda game. So Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like, is the first time Nintendo's ever just straight continued. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Tears yeah. of the Kingdom, I haven't played it, but it's from what I've watched of gameplay, it's essentially the same thing as Breath of the Wild with some new mechanics introduced. And yeah. they're introduced really well. And it's, you know, they knew they didn't have to reinvent the wheel for it. Yeah. So that's why I feel like the first time where I've seen Nintendo just kind of make a direct sequel to something and not try and change it massively. So yeah. I wonder if they're seeing the success of Zelda and seeing if they can, you know, not have to change things massively and still sell yeah. uh, really well. And so they might do that with the Switch, but I can't really picture it. I don't know what they would change, though, because when I think of their previous consoles, what really stands out to me in their past consoles is the Wii U one that didn't do very well. Yeah. (laughs) And it was an upgrade from the Wii and it was kind of this weird and essentially it is what the kind of the Switch is now. They just fixed a lot of the problems that the Wii U had and made the Switch, but there's not much to really fix on the Switch like there was with the Wii U. So I can't really see them changing anything massively um, on their next console. So it's hard to picture. Yeah. If I had a wish, it would be that they would take... I I don't... I wish that VR would take off the times I've played VR. It's fantastic. It's so cool and so immersive. I think that AR has a lot of feasibility to be more approachable. And I think that Nintendo would be the company to do it. Yeah. So having some sort of glasses that you can still interact with your own home environment. And then there's something played over top and that connects back with the system. That makes a little more sense. Or then you maybe have your glasses would be interacting with your TV in a way where they would be changing things in your space or something. And maybe they do more connect X or what did it connect? Is that what it was called? Xbox. Yeah. One? That was Xboxes. Yeah. Maybe Which something more of those range. I mean, I don't know where else you go, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good point. And I feel like the, Wii kind of started, uh, uh, not really a virtual reality, but they started that kind of augmented reality feel with their games yeah. and like Wii Sports and things like that. So I think you're onto something there. I think maybe the next console could have some sort of augmented or virtual reality aspect to it. Yeah. Well, and another piece too that this one said is that it's not going to have an OLED screen, which to me is makes me feel like you're going back to the Wii U where like all of a sudden this con- this gamepad maybe exists but it's not the focus. It's more like yeah. it's your second screen on the DS. That That's where the map is. That's where it's not yeah. that big of a deal. Because TVs and everything are going towards OLED as far as I've mm-hmm. followed trends. And I'm surprised that that's not going to be a staple with the next generation. Yeah. And I think if they were doing something that had some sort of augmented reality to it, then they would need it to be connected to a TV most of the time to get the full use out of it. So yeah. that would make sense if they weren't doing the OLED screen um, for the travel component of it. Yeah. I'm trying to wonder what that could look like if, I mean, you got a, maybe a pit boy, yeah. <laughs> you know, and some glasses on. I don't know. We'll see. Get some Nintendo glasses like the, uh, the iPhone glasses, those $3,000 <laughs> ones that they tried to release. 
But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this news, though, because I've wanted a Switch for a long time, and yeah. I've been telling myself, I can't buy one now. They're going to make a new one. I've been saying that to myself for the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, I'm thinking this is going to be the year where it gets announced that they're making yeah. a new one, and I'm going to wait for that one. So I'm excited now that I have a general uh, date of that I can stop waiting to buy a Nintendo console. Yeah. Hopefully, this one's not $600 when it releases. Yeah. I know the Switch was the Switch was a big bite for me, and it was one where I was like, I'm not sure if this was going to be worth it. I like waited outside of a Best Buy for like 30 minutes to get it because I got it pretty early on, and I was like sitting there. I remember standing there going, I don't, I don't think this is going to be worth it. But I, I did it anyways, and it was one where like I've I've really really enjoyed the system, so I'm really excited to see what they do with the next one. I hope it's as successful as this one is because Nintendo makes fun games. That's yeah. just the the soul of it. So, yeah, and I think that's the only complaint that any of their mainline titles have had is just not being um, as optimized as the current gen mm-hmm. of consoles and PC. So, yeah, that'll be cool to see now. Well, and then another consideration too is you're considering not buying a Switch for yourself, but you're going to be buying a Switch too for Sid. That's true. And I mean, you can justify that to whoever you want (laughs) to, but I mean, that's one where if you don't buy it on launch, someday you're going to buy it for him. Yeah. Christmas 2024. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Kind of goes in line with the next story that I had picked out because it was about Super Smash Bros. And it was the creator of Super Smash Bros. um, recently did an interview. In the interview, he was just talking about his work on Super Smash Bros. And he said, you know, they weren't really sure on what is going to happen with the next Super Smash Bros. And they're still trying to kind of develop the game and see what they can do to kind of innovate the series. And it just got me thinking of, you know, previous Super Smash Bros. titles I've been playing um, since the first one on Nintendo 64 and have played all of them. And it really seems like both Super Smash Bros. and like Mario Kart as well have gone into almost like a live service feel because they've been updating it so much, adding characters constantly. And that's the first time, you know, Nintendo's done that. And that's more so because that's just kind of what games have turned into now. Yeah. The previous titles didn't have to worry about that. Um, But it's hard to picture where Super Smash Bros. would uh, go from here, how it could change because I just feel like it's... I don't want to say peaked, as in it could not get any better, but it's hard to picture what the next Super Smash Bros. game could be like. They would set it apart from Ultimate. Yeah. And and it seems like even the creators of Super Smash Bros. are also <laughs> sitting there thinking that. So uh, do you have any opinions on what do you think Super Smash Bros. could do in a next title that would make it innovating or different from Super yeah. Smash Bros. Ultimate? I remember hearing some stories about the creator of Smash Bros saying like, this is the last one he wants to do. He Mm. wants to step away from it. And doing this idea of throwing everything at it, they did it so well. So it's one of those things where like, he even mentions in the article that the next game, they don't expect there to be as many characters. To me, you're going to lose out on a lot of people's expectations. If you just were like, let's refine the roster and drop it down to 36 characters and then go from there. Something closer to what like brawl, was or smash seven is that what it was called but to me they've got to go a different direction they've got to breathe a lot of life into smash bros if they're going to keep going so i think that nintendo could also so the smash i followed some of the smash competitive scene and then they really got wrapped up in a lot of like me too movement with a lot of stuff where a bunch of these content creators that were really driving the field got pushed out of the scene because there's a lot of allegations that came out that were like oh that's not that's not cool at all um and like one of there was a couple that were like really high up players like the number one ranked player like there was stuff that came out and so a bunch of these people disappeared off the scene as far as i know and i jumped off pretty much at that point because i was like there's not anything to watch and i don't want to be supporting most of this if this is really (laughs) the the vein it's got going and there's been a bit of disdain for nintendo from that scene because they didn't really respect the competitive gaming side of it even though they were making some fantastic competitive games yeah I think leaning hard... Nintendo tried to shut down some tournaments, right, that were being run outside of Nintendo. I don't remember all the details about it, but I remember reading Mm -hmm. that Nintendo was trying to shut down some very big tournaments. Yeah, and then there's some things, too, where, like, Nintendo has... The 
the gaming community that plays Smash Bros plays on a very specific rule set. Everybody accepts it. Everybody plays it. And then they'll do things like not use those rule sets in some Nintendo organized tournaments. And it's like, how could you not respect something that like everybody else in the scene is doing? It's yeah. just like items on is the big, is one of the biggest things. Like we'll have tournaments with items on. And it's like, I get you want to push your game and the fun of it, but like, that's not what a ton yeah. of people are doing for Sounds this. Sounds like a tournament I should be in. This <laughs> items on. Yeah. It's like people jumping around with hammers and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's what we did. And had fun with, right? But when it comes to like those people that are, you know, sweating and breaking controllers, I think there's a there's a potential to go that direction where they boil it down to something much smaller. It's a lot more refined. I think if you went maybe more of an RPG focus where you could take maybe the base characters and really change them to be your own so that you could minimize the roster but then go a different direction with it. I think is an option. Oh, that would be really cool. I remember when I first played Super Smash Bros. Brawl being so blown away by that adventure mode that it had Mm -hmm. (laughs) and thinking that was like the coolest thing ever. And that would be really interesting to add in some sort of RPG element to the characters and be able to choose maybe some skills that the characters get. That would definitely be something I think would be worthy of adding into the game development of it. And they've leaned into that a little bit with some of the Wii fight or the me fighters because they had like the sword, the gun, and another one, or the the just like kickboxer. Those had some of that a little bit of customization. I think if you went really far with that and made it maybe go a little bit more build up, or gosh, you could throw a gotcha system in there and and really see what you can milk people for. I think there's potential to go that way. I think there's potential to go really. Um, competitive with it and see that you can boil things down to be really tight and that you could try to push your own competitive scene since there's been kind of that lapse. I think that the idea of live service is another good idea where you just turn into a live service game where you go back down to the original eight roster and then you build up to a different direction. Start charging people for the characters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's reached a point in the series where they, like the next one is just going to, probably just be called super smash bros like i feel like they're hitting that point where uh, you make so many games you have to restart the yep. cycle now yeah and uh I don't <laughs> the know, most they just port the 64 one into the, the <laughs> next nintendo console maybe they'll just remaster smash 64 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm for that and make it super confusing by just calling it super smash bros and be yeah like, come on do you think it would super smash bros would be a launch title for the next nintendo console no metroid prime 4 it will be the launch title, I think. Okay. Because Metroid Prime 4, they they teased a lot on the Switch, and then they came out and were like, we scrapped it. It wasn't good. We scrapped the entire game. We've got a different direction we're going with it. We're delaying it. And there's been no news on it since. After they did that, then they released uh, Metroid Dread in between. And so you've kind of got your side-scroller Metroids that have been running, and you've mm-hmm. got your Metroid Primes back to the GameCube ones. Which one was just remastered for Switch? Um, they remastered Metroid Prime 1 and Metroid Prime 2 Echoes together. I don't think they remastered Metroid Prime 3. So you've got the Prime series, which is the first-person mm. shooters, and then you've got yeah. the side-scrollers. That They did a couple of really high-quality remasters. I never played those ones, but I've heard great things about them. I think that that game, there's still teasers floating around, or there's still people that are kind of buzzing about it. It would make a lot of sense for them to drop the Switch 2 with that title. Yeah, I thought Metroid Prime, I didn't think it would be 4 would be the launch title, but with the remakes that they just had of Metroid Prime, I know that they're ramping up for some sort of release yeah. in the future. That's usually why they're starting to remake things. Yeah, it makes sense. Build that hype. I think if they wait until 2024, early 2024, they drop Metroid Prime 3 remastered as a standalone game and then... Once the Switch 2 comes around, I think it would be ripe for Metroid Prime 4 to be the launch title. That's what I hope. So we'll see. I predict that uh, Legend of Zelda, like some sort of combination of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, will be a launch title for the next Nintendo console. I mean, people people will pay again to buy an upgraded version of Tears of the Kingdom. They could even release just Tears of the Kingdom as a launch title, and I think it would sell really well. Well, I mean, if they remastered Tears of the Kingdom and they're just like, this is a higher end system that has the processing power to just like 
make the game like super beautiful or the end the physics engine like super crazy and then rebuild yeah. the game from there or just have like a slight alteration where you could add a couple of powers and then everything could change it could be an interesting thought yeah All right, Ian, are you ready to ask some questions? Yep. All right. This segment is 20 questions, video game character edition. So I have a character picked out already, Ian. You can ask me 20 yes or no questions and then uh, make a guess on what character you think it is. I'll try my best uh, to answer yes or no. If I feel like you need a little bit more help, I might give you an extra hint if I feel like I can't answer it uh, Honestly, with a yes or no. (laughs) So whenever you're ready, Ian, go ahead and uh, let the questioning begin. Okay. I think first thing, is it a game that either I've watched you play or you've watched me play? That's a really good question. I would say... I don't know. This is really hard. Um, I'm going to say I don't think so. No. I don't think we've watched each other play. That cuts out a good portion because at least like Binding of Isaac... Hearthstone cuts out a bunch. Okay. Is the character a part of a series of multiple video games? Uh, yes. Is it a triple A or indie release? Or say, is it a triple A release? No. Is it a game that you would say I inspired your interest in? Yes. Is it a card game? No, that's five. Okay. Uh, Was the game released after 2015? No. Was the game released after 2010? No. Was the game released after 2000? No. Sorry, there's parts, it's part of the series. So is the whole series before that time, before 2020? Yeah. Okay. Before 2000. Or sorry, 2000, 2000, yeah. 2020, so definitely a different year. Is it an ogre battle character? No. Oh, am I allowed to curse that aggressively? Yeah. There's no restriction of free speech on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a SNES title? Or are any of the titles in the series on the SNES? Yes. I believe that's 10 questions. Okay. I've been counting correctly. I'm farther in with less information than I thought it would be. Does the game have swords in it? I don't believe so. I'm going to say no. Okay. I have to think of narrowing questions. This is a tough one. Have you played every game in the series? Uh, No, I have not. Have I played every game in the series? I believe so. Okay, just confirming all of the games were released before 2000. Yes. Okay. Sorry, those last couple of questions, I said, like, I think so, and I don't know. So. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'll try and give you a hint here soon. I'm getting close to needing it. Is it space-themed? Or is uh, space included? Yes. Elements of, of space in it, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't say the overall theme of the game is space, but okay. it's heavily influenced. So not Star Wars. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> did you say yes to an SNES title? There's one of the games that did release on SNES. Yes. Did the latest game of the series released on the N64? Was it, was it N64 1999? Uh, when it was actually made? No, yeah. I think it was before 1999. Okay. Yeah. Okay, then my question stands. No, the most recent title was not on the 64. Okay. Coming up with questions is the hard part of this one. <laughs> You're on this side, and I'm like trying to think through my thought process. And I'm like at Star Wars, thinking like, is it not space battle? If you say it's not super focused that way, then I have to think of games that are in the series. Is there more than three games in the series? Uh, I believe so. I need to double check that. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was your question again? <laughs> I forgot my question already. Was it was it there was more than two in the series? Uh, was there more than three in the series? Okay, not more than three, no. And I do have a correction. The third one uh, did come out after 2000. Okay. I did not know the release date for it, so. It also kind of tells me there maybe it was just three. 
Um, is the studio that produced the game still producing games? Uh, that depends. Um, the developers? Yeah. I don't think so. Not okay. in the, the names that they first developed the game. They might be in some other company yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, I think we're at 16 questions. Oh, I haven't been keeping super great track. But <laughs> I think you're on question 17. So about four more questions and a guess is all you got left. Here. Okay. Okay, but it was not a 64 game? It... Or there was not a 60... Did I ask if there was a 64 game in the series? Or did I ask if the last game was released on 64? Because that's kind of a dumb question that should have been more broad. Uh, it was... None of the games in the series were released on the Nintendo 64. Okay. That's helpful. But the, th- uh, the third release was after 2000. Okay. So it was PlayStation releases? I'll take that as a question. Is it a PlayStation release? Yeah. No. Does that leave Sega and like a little bit of Xbox? Right? Or well, you, PC? You just said it, you, I mean, you just said it wasn't released on PlayStation. No, but you didn't ask any other I know. consoles. I don't want to go, <laughs> I don't want to go ask every single console. I don't think that's super open. I mean, what the hell was on, what the hell was on Dreamcast? You've got, What's that dance one? The Space Station 5? Is that what that was called? Do you remember seeing that game? That's a game I remember watching on like G4 TV. People talking about like Space Station 5 or some dancing game on the Dreamcast. I'm not going to guess a Dreamcast game because I don't think you would have dug into Dreamcast. Did you own a Dreamcast? Uh, No, I own a Dreamcast now. Oh, nice. Yeah. I had a stretch of antique video game collecting or whatever you call that. I used to have a Dreamcast. What games do you have on it? I, th- I have like two or three games. I think I have a Sonic game and like two or three other like mediocre titles that you don't even know. I guess I've just picked it up at a flea market and cleaned it and made sure oh, it works nice. with the cords. And it did. Greg actually also had a Dreamcast and it was really? jailbroken. Okay. And so he had just a bunch of like burned games that <laughs> we would play on it. And he had the gun attachments for it. We used to play House of the Dead. Nice. Two on the Dreamcast. That was a lot of fun. One of my childhood uh-huh. friends had PlayStation 1 games that had been uh, jailbroken like that. So he had a bunch of just black on black CDs that he would just like <laughs> put in there and we just figure out which game it was. Yeah. And Twisted Metal and a whole bunch of stuff. <sighs> okay, I'm stuck on the space theme because I'm trying to think of games that were in that era that were on space. And it's not going to be something like Star Fox. I'm thinking three titles influenced by space. Yeah. No swords. Is there magic included in the games? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I would say, I mean, what kind of magic are we talking here? I think any sort of magic system. Okay. Like, can you uh, use uh, magic? Uh, yeah, I'll say you can. You definitely use elements. Okay. So I'll count that as magic. Okay. All right, we're at, uh, that's 19. So we're at one more question and a guess here. Do I get a hint at this point? Because um, I feel far off. Let's see. After the 20th question, or do you want the hint first before you ask? Yeah, a hint before one more question. Um, hint. The uh, How about publisher? Would that be a good hint? Yeah, let's go for that. A publisher is Nintendo. Okay. Okay. Is it the main character of the series? Yes. It's Fox McCloud. It is not Fox McCloud. Oh, no. It was Ness from Earthbound. Damn. Oh, (laughs) I should have gotten there. And I don't think you've ever watched me play it, but you definitely uh, inspired me to play it. I should have gone back to that because that makes sense. Did you go back and play all the way through Earthbound? Uh, I don't think I finished it. I remember emulating it it and played a significant amount of it in college. I didn't finish it, though. Surprisingly good game. It's one of those that, like, when you say some games don't hold up, that game holds up really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Visually, it still holds up really well. The combat is a little interesting because it's, you know, you're just like looking at a picture of the enemy and yeah. <laughs> clicking things. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's also quirky and funny. And like, it still is quirky and funny. Yeah. It was, I didn't know the exact release dates of the other yeah, titles. Yeah, the mother titles. Yeah. Yeah. So that threw me off. And then I looked it up really quick, and yeah, Mother 3 came out after 2000. It was like 2006. And that was a Game Boy release? Yeah. Like, okay. 
Yeah, I think Mother 1 and 2 or Earthbound were Super Nintendo, and then Mother 3 came out on the Game Boy Advance. And yeah, Earthbound was 1994 release. Okay. I think the first one. I don't remember what Mother 2 was. Oh, Star Fox was on the 64. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, Star Fox was on the 64. uh, That's where I was like stuck in space. And you gave a good hint that it was space-themed, because there's a good amount with the Starmen and, and stuff going on. That was a good one. I should have figured it out. Well, Ian, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. I'm glad to uh, finally got a, a fellow gaming dad on here. Heck yeah. Any uh, any shout-outs or uh, anything you want to say here before we wrap up? Um, if I'm going to shout anybody out, shout-out to Aaron. He's been one of my like main gaming buddies as I talk about people most of the time. Aaron's there. Nice. A-A-Ron. Yeah. No, well, this is a different Aaron. That Aaron, too. All right. That Aaron, too. Shout out to all Aaron. He's actually, he's going to be a gaming dad, too, now. And then a shout out, too, to Steven, because I've been playing some games with him as well. But he got me into Hearthstone, which ended up giving me some fantastic experiences to the start of video games with you, with Hearthstone, and the group of friends that we have now, because we got so many people into Hearthstone for that, like, year or so, and it was a blast. Yeah. I just went to visit um, our friend Kyle, Medell, and yeah. uh, he's playing Hearthstone again. <laughs> he's back in it? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, That's good. I don't know if I will get into it. I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap, so. But I do miss the... Uh, it's funny, I never thought of Hearthstone as a complex uh, card game. Yeah. Uh, but now playing Marvel Snap and how kind of like simple it is, I do miss some of the complexities that Hearthstone yeah. had. Yeah. Hey, check out Battlegrounds. If you're trying not to get too deep in, those auto battlers are a great place to start. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. As always, you can find my contact info and links to articles that we discuss down below in the show notes. Please feel free to contact me if you have any suggestions or feedback for the show, game recommendations, interesting news topics that you want to hear discussed, and any video game character suggestions are always appreciated. I hope you pop by for next month's episode, and remember, it's only screen peeking if you get caught. Stay frosty, and happy gaming.